Hello, I'm Marissa, a certified, licensed, and practicing pediatric occupational therapist. And this is OT with Marissa. Here we will review common terminology and topics, chat about daily OT practices, and provide simple but effective tools and strategies you can implement with the child or children in your life. Whether you're thinking about a career in occupational therapy, are a current student, new grad, or seasoned therapist, my hope is this podcast has something to offer you to learn, grow, and be the best therapist you can. I'm so happy you're here. Hi, everybody, and welcome back. I just want to first say thank you to everybody who listened to the first podcast episode. And thank you if you are also listening to this one. There were some people that listened to the first episode who I wasn't really expecting to listen to it and had some awesome feedback. Some of you also shared my podcast with others, posted it on social media, or sent it to family friends. My dad had people at the bar listen to the podcast. So before I get into uh, what this podcast episode is, what it's all about, might be a little bit of a longer one today, I really just wanted to express that gratitude I have for all of you for being here with me on this journey uh, and being so supportive. So thank you for that. Today's podcast episode uh, is about my journey with occupational therapy. If you are familiar with occupational therapy, one thing that um, we are taught early on in grad school is um, to be holistic, client-centered therapists. And in order to do that, you really need to know the person that you're working with. And one way that we help to develop that knowledge and understanding of that individual is through what's called an occupational profile. So really, it's just getting to know that client. So I thought it would be kind of fun to get to know me, your podcast host, my journey with OT, and then what is my life outside of work, being a therapist, what are some things that I like to do? Uh, So that's what we're going to be talking about today on the podcast. So obviously my name's Marissa. I am 29 years old. I will be 30 this year in September. Uh, Super excited, also a little bit terrified, but that's okay. I live with my dog, Nova. She is three and a half years old. She's a German Shepherd Mastiff mix, so she's kind of big. Um, And we live in Ithaca, New York. I'm from this area, about an hour away from here. I've moved around a little bit. I will get to that uh, when I talk about my journey. Right now, as I'm recording this, it is Saturday morning on February 4th, and it is one of the coldest weekends, I think, in New York and all over. It is negative nine degrees currently. Just had to go out to my car and get my blue light blocking glasses, uh, because I don't like to look at screens too long without them. And it was was so cold. So we are inside with a lukewarm cup of coffee, and we're not doing much today. So 
Other than that, though, in the wintertime, some things that I really like to do uh, is yoga. I recently joined a yoga studio a couple months ago and have gotten into a weekly yoga practice. I go about three, four times a week, hour-long yoga classes. have really been enjoying the hot yoga classes with these colder, colder winter days. I also have a cycling bike inside and have really enjoyed taking some of the spin classes that it has to offer. It's like a Peloton, but it's not a Peloton. If you know me, you know I love like the Beachbody programs. Not an ad. I've just been doing them since like middle school. <laughs> and so the bike is affiliated through them at that company. So I have access to all the things, swivel screen, super awesome. It was a big investment Christmas gift to myself last year. So definitely using that as often as I can to get to get the money's worth that I paid for it. When it's not cold outside, though, I have really enjoyed running the past couple of years. I've really gotten into longer distance running. I ran my first half marathon this past summer, which had always been a goal of mine. Contemplating maybe trying to do a full one. We'll see. It's very taxing on your joints. So um, I have to weigh out the balance between achieving a personal goal and maybe not needing a a knee or a hip replacement um, until later in life. I do also really enjoy trail running. Nova and I will often go on trail runs. There's a bunch of trails right outside of where I live that are within walking distance. So we'll do a lot of big loops. If you're familiar with Ithaca, New York, you know there's all these beautiful gorges and like waterfalls that lead into um, the south end of Cayuga Lake, which is where Ithaca is located. And so there's so many gorgeous hiking trails that we often go on. That's something I really, really enjoy doing. My grandparents, they have a house um, in the Adirondacks on a lake called Star Lake, very small lake. You could walk around it. We often do. You could walk around it twice. We often do that too. And close to there, there's a bunch of the, um, like the Adirondack High Peaks. There's Saranac Lake, Tupper Lake, all those hikes there. So that's something that I really enjoy doing in the summertime. My mom and I will often go. My aunt and I will go. Sometimes I'll uh, bring up a friend and convince them to go. So obviously being active and in nature is a big, um, a big part of my life. And that kind of trickles into my journey as an occupational therapist. Another thing that I really enjoy doing is traveling. I've traveled a little bit. I have a big trip coming up here in two weeks, almost exactly. My mom and I are going to Mexico for a week. It's one of the nice things about working in a school, which is um, currently where I am working is in a school as an OT. And you get all the breaks. We had, you know, a week off for Christmas, a week off in February, I have a week off in April, playing around with maybe doing a trip out west to see some friends. Uh, Then 
two years ago now, I took a huge trip out west. I took a month off while I was in between jobs. And so I had um, almost an entire summer off. And for the last month, for the month of August, I did a huge trip out west. Um, And so that was just such an enriching experience, learned a lot. It was like a big transition period in my life. And so I took advantage of traveling and exploring, um, seeing all the things. A friend of mine, we road tripped up the the West Coast, all the way up Highway 1, starting in San Diego, all the way up to Oregon. And then I kind of skipped around and saw a couple friends out West. So obviously... Being active, healthy, in nature, traveling, all of those things are really important to me and has not only really shaped my life personally, but also my career. And I promise I'll get to that. It all comes full circle, per usual. Some other things about me, I'll just kind of do like rapid fire here. I enjoy reading. I'm a huge, like, personal, professional development reader, not big into, like, fiction novels, although there's been a couple here or there that I've enjoyed. I'm like, if I'm going to be reading, I need to be learning at the same time. So uh, maybe we can do a podcast episode on, like, uh, professional, personal development books that I suggest. I definitely have my hands full of favorites, some that I've read multiple times. There's a lot of really great occupational therapy and pediatric books as well. So that could be an upcoming podcast episode if you're interested. All the books, all the recommendations. Growing up in the Finger Lakes area and having worked at a winery and a brewery, a couple breweries in this area. I'm in the summertime a big fan of supporting those local those local businesses and going on wine tours, being with friends, being fun, spontaneous, a little footloose and fancy free is my style. I really enjoy live music. That was one of the things when COVID happened that I craved. We all had like the small little things that were like, gosh, I really wish I could fill in the blank. And for me, it was, gosh, I really wish I could go to a concert, go see live music, be outside. And I don't mean like a big, well-known artist, a big um, formal concert venue. I am more like a band is playing at this winery on a Wednesday night. Let's go. Uh, That's one great thing about living in Ithaca is there's always live music down in the commons, at the wineries, random people playing their guitar on the street, super inspiring and spontaneous, and I love that sort of thing. So let's get into my journey as an occupational therapist and kind of where it started, how it manifested, and where we're at now. So for me, it really started in high school before I could drive. Um, my neighbor at the time was taking over the gymnastics program at the YMCA and asked me if I would want to help her with the um, the classes, like be a gymnastics instructor, I guess is what was going on. Um, 
any experience that I had in gymnastics was when I was like seven and took gymnastics, like many little girls do when you learn how to do a cartwheel. <laughs> so I didn't really have any formal experience doing gymnastics. To this day, I still cannot do a backhand spring. I've tried. I had a trampoline growing up. Which I just, it wasn't my thing. Couldn't go backwards. It was just thought I'd break my neck, end up with a spinal cord injury. Big fear. Still can't do it. Um, but I can teach you how to do it or could teach you how to do it. So I jumped right into that opportunity, ended up loving it, loved working with the kids, loved helping them stretch, warm up, move their bodies, made it fun for them. I really enjoyed helping them navigate those fears, kind of like I just said my fear, Um, navigating those internal thoughts and fears of I can't do this and finding a way to overcome that barrier so that they believed they could and then also helping them move their bodies and train their bodies in a way that they could. Simultaneously, while I was doing that, I decided um, to get my lifeguarding certification and was doing gymnastics and lifeguarding at the YMCA. One day, one of the swim instructors for um, like the little kid swim lessons wasn't there, didn't show up. I don't know, but they were short, a swim instructor. Again, I was not a swim instructor, no training in that. I was just a lifeguard. And the aquatic director was like, hey, Martha, I'm going to cover the lifeguarding, um, like lifeguarding. And can you get in the pool and teach this group of kids how to swim? And I was like, I have no freaking idea what I'm doing other than the fact that I know how to swim. So I'll just figure out how to teach them how to do it. So I really had to like break down, okay, well, how do you breathe in the water and what do your legs do and what do your arms do and how can we compartmentalize those skills and then bring them all together to be successful in swimming. And again, there's that, um, that emotional and mental blockage of, I'm afraid I'm going to drown. That's a huge fear for anybody when they're learning how to swim. And so it was pairing that psycho um, emotional side with the physical aspect of swimming. And I would I was really good at it. I really liked it. And so the aquatic director was like, great, you're teaching swim lessons. Again, I had no formal training, no qualifications to be doing it. But I jumped in and I I did it anyways. I also taught almost all of my cousins. I'm the oldest of my cousins on my mom's side of the family. Taught almost all of my younger cousins how to swim up at at the lake. Uh, And so I kind of thought about that. You know, when I thought about my skills, my strengths, my area of interest, I'm like, man, I really like helping kids, working with kids. And helping them learn how to be successful at a new skill. So when I was thinking about what do I want to do for a living, um, something that I'm passionate about, something that I'm good at, initially I was like, oh, I'm going to go to school for physical therapy. And that's what I did. I applied to so many physical therapy programs. Um, kind of ironic. I applied to Ithaca's 
physical therapy program. They had like a six-year program and I did not get in. I met all the qualifications. They just had a large number of applicants that year and I didn't make that top percentage that they were um, welcoming into the program. And so I got a formal letter in the mail from Ithaca College and it was like, you know, you would qualify for our, our occupational therapy program. And I was like, oh, I don't want to do that. I don't, a, I don't really think I knew what occupational therapy was. And my mind was so focused on physical therapy that I wasn't open to exploring other, other avenues. So I went to, um, I got into Elmira College and they actually, they told me they had a physical therapy program given like my, my mom, um, and my dad didn't have a lot of experience, uh, with the college application system, um, and navigating all of that. So I didn't have a lot of guidance in that process. So I just kind of believed whatever I heard, like, great, I'm going to go to Elmira college beautiful campus, liked it. Their school colors are purple. I like purple and we're going to go. So I got there and I was enrolled as a biology major. And so I took like the bio and the chemistry classes. Um, I'm like, wait, I thought I was in a physical therapy program. It was a, um, like a pre-health track program where I would get like a four-year degree as a biology major and then I would have to apply for physical therapy programs. So I was basically going to have a bachelor's degree and then all the prereqs and then would have to apply for a physical therapy program. And I was like, well, okay, yeah, that's fine. Let's just do that. And so as I got further into the program, it's like, oh my God, I have to take organic chemistry. I have to take all of these really, um, science heavy courses in order to fulfill this, um, this biology degree. And I was struggling. I was struggling in some of my chemistry classes and I was getting decent grades in the labs because I'm a very hands-on learner, but the academic classes, like I just, there was, it was challenging for me. So I kind of had to come back to the drawing board and was like, okay, like, is this something that I can do? Um, what is this going to look like for me? And at the time, my mom was actually working for an occupational therapist who was a certified, certified hand therapist. She was working for him and was like, Marissa, why don't you come and shadow Steve and see if you like occupational therapy? Like, okay, whatever. So I did, I shadowed him a little bit and Simultaneously, my grandfather, um, Leonard, Papa, he had a rotator cuff surgery that he had done and was going to occupational therapy um, as part of his like post-op um, program, right? And that to me is where I really discovered what occupational therapy was and had my my myself, I had an emotion and an emotional connection to it. So I did a little bit of research in occupational therapy. Um, because remember the goal always to be, was to be able to work with kids. That's where my heart was. So I was like, can I, as if I were to pursue a career in occupational therapy, work with kids? What, what does that look like? Um, and that's when I, that's when I discovered absolutely. Yes. These 
occupational therapy in pediatrics, they go hand in hand and it had more of this holistic approach of not just working from a biomechanical side or helping kids physically heal or physically learn new skills, but also paired in that um, psychosocial aspect as well. And so that's really for me when I was like, yes, this actually is better than physical therapy um, in terms of what I wanted to do. So I told my parents I was switching my degree from biology to psychology and um, they initially, I don't think we're very, um, I think initially they were nervous because um, psychology is a wonderful degree if you do something with it after school. So it's really hard to find a job with a, with a bachelor's degree in psychology. It is a great degree to have when you're applying to other programs. Um, and so they were just really nervous. I think that I would have a bachelor's degree in psychology and would I take it that next step to then apply to grad school? Um, but that's what I did. I switched my major. I stayed at Elmira College. It was, it was really hard to transfer out of Elmira College, um, just based on their programming and uh, some of the extra things that they have you take as a freshman. Um, they do like, uh, instead of semesters, they do trimesters. And so some of the, um, the courses, it was just really hard. <laughs> it's really hard to transfer out of the college without starting over again as a freshman at another school. So I stayed there and I took as many prerequisite courses as I could there. Like I took anatomy and physiology. I took ethics. I took some of the sociology classes that I needed. Um, I still had the bio and chemistry classes on my transcript. So all of that counted towards some of the prerequisites that I needed to then apply to grad school. So there's a couple of routes you can take if you're looking at a career in OT. You can do um, like a five-year program. Uh, many of the master's programs are like five years and it overlaps your bachelor's and your master's together. Some of those programs are turning into six years if it's a doctoral program, occupational therapy switching from needing a master's to now needing like a doctorate degree. Another route that you can take, which was the route that I took, was you obtain a bachelor's degree in whatever. Um, you could do biology, you could do psychology, you could do, um, oh, like health science programs, uh, whatever it is, and um, you can apply then to a master's program as long as you have the prerequisites that that program is asking you to, to have. So a lot of the times this is like psychology, sociology, like an ethics class, anatomy and physiology. Um, they're going to need you to have a bachelor's degree in something uh, for me, I also needed to take medical terminology and physics. So medical terminology and physics were two classes I did not take in undergrad. And so I needed to go take separately. So I took a year off after um, I graduated with my bachelor's degree in psychology. 
I took a year off. And in that year, <laughs> many of my friends moved away. So some of my friends moved out west. Like they all moved away, all my really close high school friends. And so I was like, gosh, I don't want to stay here in New York trying to take these extra classes working because hello, in six months, I have to pay off some of these student loans. Um, I really felt like I need, I just needed to explore. I needed to get out. So I'm extremely fortunate that my, um, my mom's brother, my uncle and, uh, his wife were like, why don't you move, um, in with us? They live in Panama city beach, Florida. So they were like, you can move in with us. You can live here for free um, as long as you're going to help us out. And so that's exactly what I did. I picked up all my stuff, me and Leonard, my papa, who was a big inspiration for me um, in opening up my eyes to the world of occupational therapy. We got in, into my Jeep and we drove down to Florida with my paddleboard strapped on the top and I lived in Florida for nine months. During those nine months that I lived in Florida, um, I initially just needed a job. And so I started working at a law firm. Hated it. Absolutely hated it. I'm sorry. It's just, I it was not the environment for me. It was just learned some things, learned some skills, but it just, it wasn't for me. Um, but we had some connections that I was able to, it was basically, I was a receptionist. I wasn't even a receptionist. I was like one level below a receptionist at this law firm. And at the time I, the law firm was working on, um, transferring all of their like hard copy, um, documents to electronic files. So my job was basically scanning, scanning, um, old records and saving them electronically answered a couple of cold call calls absolutely terrifying uh and went through emails and figured out like how much the attorneys were going to bill for that email based on um like the quality of the email and how long it was and the information provided um very boring job but it was definitely meant to be on my journey um, because I met one of my absolute best friends, Stephanie. She worked at this law firm with me. She was doing more of that secretarial receptionist sort of work and then also working under some of the paralegals there. And um, she's the one that I went on the road trip with out west a year and a half ago. So it kind of all comes full circle that I could have initially decided when I got that letter in the mail from Ithaca College to go to their five-year OT program, but I would have missed out on um, new relationships, new experiences, uh, that sort of thing. So that's just a little side note. If you feel like you're not where you're supposed to be right now, maybe you are and you just don't know it yet. So anyways, I, um, I did that for like a month and a half while I was actively applying to other jobs. Oh, I should probably say while I was an undergrad, um, I also worked part-time 
uh, for a program that the school was doing called um, like America Reads, I think is what the program was called. And I essentially worked in a fifth grade classroom part time as many days of the week that I could helping out students, um, kind of pulling them from the classroom, reading to them, helping them with homework, helping them catch up on work. Um, and got really, really close with one of those fifth grade teachers. And actually she moved schools and I moved with her. And so she became a huge mentor to me. Um, Catherine became a huge mentor to me um, and really helped me learn how to help kids in the academic setting. So that being said, when I was in Florida, I then applied to a job as a paraprofessional, which is kind of like a classroom helper kind of like an aide, but look, works a little bit more alongside the teacher. Um, and I got a job um, working in a fifth grade classroom. It was an inclusion classroom. So uh, the classroom had general education kids as well as kids that had individualized education programs to help them be successful in the classroom. And my job and responsibility was working with the teacher, working with the kids, and making sure that those individualized education program um, needs were met so that some of the other kids could be successful in that environment. So that's what I did in Florida. Um, I made an amazing friend. I took some classes online, and I got a, almost a year's worth of experience working with students um, in an inclusion classroom with individualized education programs or IEPs. So after that school year was done in June, I left Florida and I moved back home because I was actively applying to graduate programs. And um, I tentatively got into uh, a master's program um, at Clarkson University, back up in New York, I applied, you guys, I applied to, let me be real honest right now, I applied to one program in New York, and that was at Clarkson, and I applied to maybe 10, 15 programs down south, I was hell-bent, sorry, I didn't mean to swear, but I was, like, determined I was never moving back to New York. I was, like, I'm going to live down south. I applied to a lot of programs in Alabama, a lot of programs in North Carolina, maybe, like, one or two in Virginia, a couple in Florida, because I was already in Florida. Um, and the one program, the one program I got into, like, I thought, this is it. I'm not going to get into grad school. I'm going to be working I don't know. I was going to have to figure out something else. Um, the one program I got into was the one program I applied to in New York. <laughs> um, so I was like, well, I guess we're going back to New York. And I didn't even fully get into the program. I tentatively got into the program because I there was one prerequisite course that I didn't have that I needed. And that was physics. And it's really funny. If I look back at undergrad, my advisor was um, head of the chemistry department at the time. Um, he then left to the go then like go work at a distillery, um, you know, because we're on the Finger Lakes. And um, he taught the physics course 
at Almira College. And when I decided to switch my major to psychology and was telling him that I just needed to take all these prerequisite courses, he was like, awesome, great, you can take physics with me. And a lot of the programs that I was applying to actually didn't require physics, and I was so afraid of taking physics. It's a very heavy, heavy class to take. It's a lot of math. It's a lot of kind of like abstract thinking. It's just, it's, it's a lot. Um, so I was avoiding taking that. I was like, no, I don't need to take that. So it's just really ironic that the one class I needed to take to get into the one program I was accepted into was physics. And I had the opportunity to take it with an amazing advisor and I didn't take it. So I moved back home and I enrolled to take physics at a local community college. I had to drive 45 minutes in the morning and in the afternoon there and back to take physics because it needed to be taken in person. Um, so that's what I did. I moved back home, worked that summer, um, was taking physics in person, driving there, taking the, it was like every day of the week, it was like a condensed class to get it done. I walked in on my very first day of the physics class and I like went to the professor and I was like, listen, I need a C plus in this class to get into this program. I'm like, whatever it takes, I, I, I just cannot fail this class. Um, and I did, and I ended up getting like an A minus or something like that. But, um, so then I was formally accepted into the Clarkson OT program. I interviewed, did all the stuff. Um, and that's where I went. I went to Clarkson University. They have a health science um, program there uh, that does, um, uh, they have a physician's assistance program, they have a physical therapy program, and they have an occupational therapy program amongst all their engineering programs. So Clarkson's really known um, for engineering. And it's really funny because some of my family members have uh, actually gone to both Potsdam and Clarkson. I have a lot of engineers in the family. So it's just really ironic that I ended up back in New York, <laughs> in Potsdam, New York, which if you're not familiar, is like three hours straight north. Like it is 30 minutes from the Canadian border. It is freaking cold up there. Um and it was an hour away from my grandparents in Star Lake. So it all, it all really just worked out. It felt like home. I feel very attached to Clarkson. When people ask, where did I go to school? I honestly don't even think of Elmira College. I'm like, I went to Clarkson. Um, really enjoyed that program there. While I was there, um, I was encouraged by some of my classmates to run for president of our student occupational therapy association. If you knew me before grad school, you knew that I have had horrible experiences, public speaking. I mean, mortifying experiences in high school. Thank you to my friend, Mary Lynn, for always calling me out on them. Uh, and so I was just like, I'm not, nope, I'm not running for president. You have to do public speaking. And my friends were super encouraging. And they were like, you know, what, Marissa, we think you'd really be great and you should just do it. And one of my friends, she's like, I will run for vice president. So you don't have to do it alone. And so that's what I did. I ran for president. I 
was president of our Student Occupational Therapy Association, really just ripped off the Band-Aid of, you know what, the, you have a fear of public speaking. How are you going to get over that fear? You're going to run for president of your student association and have to public speak every week. Um, and so that's what I did, which again, kind of foreshadowing, here I am recording a podcast, which is a form, I guess, yeah, I'm in my dining room behind my computer and only my dog is here, but eventually this will be public. Um, so it's public speaking in a sense. So I did two and a half years at Clarkson University. So if you're counting, this is six and a half years of school plus the year that I took off that I took classes, um, those extra prerequisite classes. So I guess seven and a half years of school, which, you know, is also seven and a half years of student loans, um, realizing that now. <laughs> but uh, as part of any occupational therapy program, whether you do like a five or six year program, or you decide to uh, go back to school and get your master's in OT, you have to do different field work levels. So this is like some people call them like internships, externships, rotations, whatever. It's hands-on experience in a particular setting. You have to do two level one fieldwork rotations, which are 80 hours each. For mine, I did one spread out over the course of a semester. I went every like Wednesday and Friday for full days while I was taking my courses. And then for another one, I had like a two week break and I just did one of my field work ones during that two weeks off. So I really didn't get that two weeks off. It was full time, two weeks shadowing an OT. Um, then you have your two level two field work rotations, which are, I believe, 240 hours each. It's essentially about three months full time. So after I finished my coursework, then over the course of one summer, I did a level two field work rotation, literally five minutes from my house. I could ride my bike there if I wanted to. I didn't. I always drove because I'm always running late. So no time to ride a bike. But um, and that field work level two was at um, a facility that no longer exists here. Um, the program's here, but the actual campus location no longer is, exists. It's at what was called Hillside Family and Agencies. Essentially, it is um, a school-based model that is helping kids who either have significant behavioral needs or um, their home life isn't safe and they are residing at this facility and attending school. Um, so a variety of needs between like behavioral needs, a lot of psychosocial needs. The kids uh, lived, at, many of the kids lived at the facility and also attended school there. And so it was working primarily in that school setting, but then also in some of the, um, like the residential programs that they had for those kids helping them navigate their routines, uh, be successful successful in that community environment, whether it was like cooking, sharing a room with other people. Many of it was in that academic setting and quite honestly, helping them navigate school when there's so many external factors going on that's making 
focusing on academics really hard for them. So that was one of my level two fieldwork rotations. And then the other level two fieldwork rotation was um, in Baltimore. I moved to Baltimore for three months, which again is one of those things where I was extremely nervous. I didn't feel like I could move away. I didn't know if I could afford to live in a city like that. I had my fieldwork coordinator, Cindy, email me and was like, hey, I got a great pediatric opportunity for you for a level two fieldwork placement. Meet me in my office. I met her. She's like, this is, you know, really great that, you know, our program is able to collaborate. It's an affiliate program through Johns Hopkins called Kennedy Krieger Institution, which specializes in like pediatric care. So I did that. That's a whole separate story. That was a very intense period of my life. I had like car issues. My dog got really sick. And so it was just a lot, a lot going on. But nonetheless, I completed this very rigorous, high intensity level two fieldwork placement. And in that experience, I um, I had this opportunity to rent out a room in this woman's house, Jen. And again, it's one of those things where I didn't think that this was a good opportunity for me. I really struggled through this level two fieldwork placement. Maybe I'll do a whole podcast on being a student in a level two fieldwork placement. Um, again, really enriching because I just found out uh, at my current job, I'm going to be um, mentoring a level two fieldwork student. So it's just a lot of processing for me to figure out what I learned, uh, what I needed in um, in a fieldwork supervisor, and how I can do that for somebody else. But within that whole experience, I met one of my greatest best friends, Jen, Um, who has been, again, a huge part of this podcast and encouraging me to even have this podcast. So throughout these moments of it took me eight, almost eight years to obtain a degree I could have had in five, all those micro level exposures of the right people, the right time and place, um, the opportunities to travel, live different places and have different personal experiences along that pathway. So after that level two fieldwork, I moved back home. It was right around Christmas time of 2019. I studied for my board exam um, and took the board exam in February. About two weeks later, I took a week-long vacation. My aunt and I went down to Florida to visit my grandparents. They're snowbirds, so we went down and and visited them. And if you're you're doing the math, this would have been the second week in March of 2020 now. I'm getting on the airplane to come home and... You know, people people are kind of talking about COVID. You know, do we wear a mask? Do we not? We brought a bunch of hand sanitizer down to my grandparents. And my aunt and I were a little skeptical. I don't know, right? Like, what is going on? I'm in line to board the plane to come back to New York. 
and I get an email that I passed my board exam, passed my NBCOT board exam, and I'm so excited. I can, like, I wanted to tell everybody. I um, couldn't wait to apply to jobs. We're boarding the plane. I got to shut my phone down. I'm like, have all this pent up energy of like, oh, I'm so excited. So um, obviously I told my aunt, we told the um, the flight attendant and uh, we get home, we land in New York and the like, I'm telling you, like the next day, the world shut down. I was like, oh, here I am. I just passed my board exam. I can get my license in New York State as an OT and I can get a job finally after all these years and the world has shut down. <laughs> so there was no applying to jobs. There was no, nobody was hiring. Nobody knew what to do. Perfect timing, honestly, because my dog that was really sick at the time I uh, had only a couple more months to spend with her, was able to spend those months with her at home. Right after she passed, um, the world started to open back up again. And so I applied for a job as a travel therapist. I was like, you know what? There's no sense of me really being home right now. What else is out there for me? So I... <laughs> was on the phone with one of my friends one night. She was living down in Virginia. And I was like, what would happen if I applied for a travel therapy job down towards you? Applied for the job at like 10 p.m. on a Thursday. Got an email on Friday that my resume was like accepted or that the it was in review. Got a call on a Saturday morning scheduling an interview for Monday. Monday had an interview with this woman. Uh, it was like over a two hour long interview. We really connected and I got the job as a travel therapist uh, in Norfolk, Virginia uh, and also Virginia Beach. I kind of went between the two, the two cities um, for a company called uh, CSAP or Southeastern Cooperative Extension Programs, which was like a special um, specialized alternative education program to meet um, like individual education needs. Primarily, they had like an autism program and a behavioral intervention program that I worked in. They had some other programs, but I was really housed within the autism program and the specialized behavioral program. So that was my first job. I did travel therapy. I was in Norfolk uh, and Virginia Beach, Virginia. The world shut down a little bit again. I lived right on the beach though. It was great, worked from home half the week for the majority of that whole time. It was a nine month travel program because it was the duration of one school year. And after that nine months, I um, just kind of wanted to be closer to family. So um, I moved back home. I was in that transition period. So that's when I did some traveling and applying to jobs. I actually had my interview for my current job while I was traveling out west. So it was like a 6 a.m. interview. Um, but I did it. And my current job now is with a contracting agency. So I'm not a district employee, but I work for a contracting agency here in Ithaca, New York. And I go between two school districts. 
and I work primarily in a middle school and then also in an elementary school doing school-based occupational therapy. So that has kind of been my journey, my where my experience is uh, and where I am currently. It's really ironic to me that my journey with occupational therapy could have started here in Ithaca, New York, had I accepted that um, that invitation to Ithaca College's OT program initially, but I didn't. And sometimes I think to myself, well, here I am in Ithaca, New York as an OT about to turn 30 and I could have gotten here like three, four, five years faster, right? I could have shaved three years off of my academic programming and been right here in Ithaca as a new grad versus doing travel therapy and doing all that stuff. But then you have to think about everything else that came along in that journey that I wouldn't have had had I taken that direct route here. And that's not to say that taking a direct route maybe wouldn't have been best. I certainly would have had less student loans. I certainly maybe would be a little bit further along in my career. But that wasn't my case. That wasn't my journey. That wasn't what was intended for me. Because in doing all of this extra, having all this extra, I have all this extra. Like I have all these amazing friends and opportunities that I had to travel and live in different places and different experiences. So my intention in telling you about who I am and about my journey discovering occupational therapy, that process of actually completing a degree in occupational therapy, and then also those first three years of being a new practitioner and the settings that I'm in and some of the experiences that I've had and what that's looked like. My intention is not only to kind of show you that journey and so that you know a little bit about me and my background and where I'm coming from, but also if you are thinking about a career in occupational therapy, maybe you're a current student, maybe you're a current OT student, or maybe you're a student pursuing something else right now and you're considering occupational therapy instead, very much like I was. How you get to where you're meant to go, I believe it does matter. You know, some people are like, oh, you just got to get there. If you're you're like my dad, he's like, we just got to get to the end of the week. We just got to get through this season. We just got to get to this next mile marker. And sometimes that is the case. Sometimes you just, you put your head down and you do the work and you get to where you need to go. And there's definitely been moments like that in my life. And also be in the process, be in that gray space, in that contemplation, ask the questions, have experiences that flop and fail to show you the next experience. 
and be open to whatever that looks like for you. You could get to where you need to go in five years, or you could get to where you need to go in eight. It could be more than that. I truly believe that it is my experience working in schools. It is my experience having traveled and having different opportunities that actually got me the jobs that I've had. A lot of the highlights in those interview processes wasn't about the academics necessarily. Great, I have my degree. It was about all the extra, all of the experience that experiences that have made me who I am as a person, this well-rounded, still in the process, individual with these experiences And that's your selling point. That is your selling point as a student, as a new grad, as a new practitioner, maybe job searching. That's your selling point. It's you. It's not the degree necessarily that you have. It's your journey in getting there and everything that that encompasses that you have learned. All right, y'all. I have kept you for an hour. (laughs) I told you in the last podcast, I'd keep things short and sweet, but not, not for this one. It's a little bit of a different style, I suppose this one is. Um, I I have some affirmations for you, and I just got goosebumps. I had two affirmations for you (laughs) picked out, written down in my notepad that I was going to share with you at the end of this podcast. Um, In the meantime, since I've been recording this podcast the past 45 seconds or so, I have a positive affirmation app on my phone. I pay for it. Um, It sends me a positive affirmation like every couple of hours. It pops up on my home screen of my phone. Um, And I, you know, you kind of have your targeted focuses of what you want your affirmations to be based on, on the season of life that you're in. And so the affirmations that I had initially selected for you all Uh, The first one was, I trust the journey. And that is still one that I I wanted to, to send to you today. Trust the journey. It is something I tell myself every day, the days that I struggle, the days that life's hard. Trust it. Just trust it. So many things in my path that I talked to you about that I was shaky about and I trusted it and and went outside that comfort zone. And it was twofold in what it had to offer me. The other affirmation that I had for you today that based on what I was just saying was thinking about changing was I attract everything I require to achieve my goals by focusing on the outcome. I attract everything I require to achieve my goals by focusing on the outcome. And I do think that that's very true. That in everything that happens, I still always had that goal of being a pediatric OT. All the in-betweens, all the changing my mind, whatever, really it was about working with kids was the goal. Um, OT is, is what got me there. But it's not where my journey started. But the goal was always working and helping kids. Um, and so that affirmation is true. Even though I was just saying to be in the process, this 
this affirmation kind of, <laughs> it focuses a little bit more on the outcome. So I was like, you know, maybe I should think of a different one that's more about being in the, the journey. Um, and so as I was thinking about that and looking at my affirmations, I kid you not, my affirmation app sent me an affirmation and this is what it was. It says, I give thanks to the helpful spirits and ancestors that guide me in this life's journey. And it's just so good. It's about guidance in the journey and thanking everything that's gotten you to where you are now, knowing that you can have faith in everything that's still to come. So those are my three affirmations for you today, you guys. I attract everything I require to achieve my goals by focusing on the outcome. I give thanks to the helpful spirits and ancestors that guide me in this life's journey, and I trust the journey. Um, if you know me, you know I can be a little woo-woo. I love it. That's who I am. It's not going away. Um, take it or leave it. But that's what I have for you today. If you've made it to the end of this podcast, you are incredible. And I appreciate you so much. I do. So enjoy the rest of your day. Whatever you're doing, go out, have a great one. And think about that. Think about what is this journey for you? Right now, right here, where you are, what is it? Thanks for listening. As a reminder, this podcast is not medical advice and does not replace the potential need for skilled and individualized therapeutic services. Please consult your pediatrician or occupational therapist for specific questions about your child. Similarly, these are my personal and professional views and opinions. If something I say does not feel right to you or is different from what you have learned, please follow your own intuition and learning quest. And remember, science and language are always changing and growing. I will try my best to stay as up-to-date as possible, but I myself am always learning. If you have any follow-up questions or requests for future podcasts, feel free to reach out to me on my Instagram at ot underscore with underscore Marissa. See you soon.